You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast with Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. Good morning or afternoon or evening. You are listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. I am one of your hosts, Samantha, and my co-host here, Allie Angrain. And we're here with another week of our podcast just to remind you about the messiness of life, introduce you to somebody amazing, and um, just remind you that we're all doing the best we can with what we know how. And we want to just keep sharing with you the knowledge and amazing things that we're learning and uh, hopefully you're learning along the way with us too. So our interview is Mick Sterling. This man is absolutely incredible. He is an author. He's the founder of 30 Day Foundation. He's the lead singer. He's the owner of Mick Sterling Presents. He is a friend. He's incredible. Everything this man touches turns to gold. He truly, genuinely, absolutely loves everything he does. He teaches us this week how to turn our talents, your God-given talents, the things that you were born with and you just naturally have into helping others and how to really focus on them so that everyday life doesn't feel like work. You don't need a vacation from your life, that you're creating a life that you genuinely, truly enjoy, that you genuinely, truly love. And um, how to, not everybody's journey is to help others, but how to really tap into yourself and utilize it for what your passion and what your purpose is in life. I left this interview just feeling so upbeat, so excited, really helped me tap into some of my creativity and take a look at what I want to do with everything. And um, he is a marketing genius. Honestly, I, I just had a blast. Getting to know this man has been super enjoyable and I know you guys are going to love it too. So buckle in, take this ride with us and enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. Today, we have somebody super amazing on, um, a Minnesota music legend. (laughs) 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 Who needs probably no introduction, but we have Mick Sterling on today. Mick Sterling. (laughs) Yes. So just go into, I know you've probably told this story thousands of times. How did you get into music? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, as a little boy, I loved to sing. I would always sing. And uh, in high school, I did a couple of bands, nothing substantial. And then, um, and then I was in, in the early 80s. I was in a band for a little while that did literally nothing. Um, I moved to St. Louis, and that was really the first time about 1984. And I, I joined this, it was a hotel band that wanted to not be a hotel band. And I, that's kind of an, an era thing, the hotel band. But in that particular time frame, hotel bands would play like 48, 50 nights, 50 weeks a year. Oh, wow. Five, six shows a week. They'd stay in one place for three or four weeks at a time. Um, 
the bands would like each member would play different instruments because they would be bored to tears if they didn't do <laughs> yeah. that, you know. And it was yeah. a, it, it was a real circuit. But this band had been doing that for a really long time. They didn't want to do it anymore. So they hired me and I moved from Minneapolis to St. Louis. And that was really the first time I had been in a full-time band. And by, by the time I left St. Louis, we were doing about 28 nights a month, one-nighters a month. And uh, I came home and I was, you know, my Italian mother was was going, did you eat in St. Louis? Because I was so <laughs> thin, and, but we were working so much. Um, I was going to say, so did that, you So then the I food? came back and... And I was in a band called the Nightburners for a little while. And then my old band before I left, uh, which was a band called Heat Treatments, they asked if I wanted to front this horn band that they had an idea for. I said, well, I'm in this band right now, but if you put it together, I'm happy to sing. So the first rehearsal I came to, the, the drummer was a graphic artist. and And he showed me the poster and it said, we're going to play the blues and that's going to make some people very happy. And then the logo was Mick Sterling and the Stud Brothers. Ooh. And I said, well, so I'm Mick Sterling, right? <laughs> Does that mean? Because my middle name is Sterling. And okay. That's my middle name. And so he said, yeah. I said, oh, well, this is fun. So that's how that band started in about 88. And since then, it's been steady for the rest yeah. of my life so, so far. You all, did you start off playing jazz and blues? That what um or was that it was it was more you know th those bands I was in before a lot of my own stuff um you know Springsteen Southside Johnny sure. the Asbury Jukes that kind of stuff um and then when the Stud Brothers started it was very Tower Power James Brown Otis Redding and then we started doing I started writing original songs for that band in about 1990, 1990 to 91. Okay. So it, it was always kind of half original, half kind of soul covers. I was listening to a bunch of your music this last week. I was yeah. out in California and I had it playing um, outside of my friends that we were staying with. They're like, who is this? Yeah. And I was like, this is Mick Sterling. You never heard of Mick Sterling? You know, but I go, it's amazing. They're like, he had it like, they're like, he just has charisma. Like you oh, could well, hear it you. in the, I loved it. It was fun to, what I love about those songs, the original songs, that they they don't sound dated, right? They no. don't, I mean, you could release, you could have released any of those songs from that band, that band, and my solo stuff now, and it would sound okay. It doesn't sound like you know, Kaja Gugu or something right. like where it's no, a very you're right. 80s yeah. specific my type of a thing. Favorite song, I think, is one that you just wrote though, was uh, the Soul of a Woman. That yeah, was Soul mine too. Oh, I love yes. it. I was yeah. just like, this is amazing. I wrote that amazing. with Kevin Bow. On New Year's Day in 1999, we wrote two songs that day. And I remember driving, going, I think those might be the two best songs I've ever written. Oh. It just felt really, really good. So thank you for it. Was, it's a classic. I it's mean, it was song. like, once you heard it, you obviously can't yeah. hear it. It's a good blues to it song. on my way here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was one of my favorites. I like thank put you. it on and I'm like ADHD. So like once I like a song, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to listen to it 500 <laughs> times. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it was a good one. That well, thank one you my very favorites. much. So you went on and your, your lead singer of... Mick Sterling and the Stud Brothers. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, keeping a band together is no walk in the park or was it it's, pretty no, easy for you guys? it's very interesting to keep a band together, especially a large band like yeah. that. Yeah. But we were, you know, we when we started at Bunkers, we pitched to them because we were trying to do, you know, in the first six months of that band, 
we're trying to play weekends like every band, but nobody knows who we are. And, you know, they pay us like a hundred bucks. You don't have social media the way we do now. Not back then. No. No. So it was very difficult. So I, when I lived in St. Louis, there was a band that played every Sunday from 4 to 7 p.m. in just some little place in North County, St. Louis. And it was, I saw it. It was a fine band. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it wasn't nothing bad about it. But that place was packed. Because it became this thing that the people did on Sunday afternoons. So when we were kind of flailing at the beginning, I said, why don't we, why don't we play Sundays at Bunkers mm-hmm. and tell them we'll play for free for six weeks. Okay. Put an ad in the city pages. This is, that was an old paper that used to be around. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't like us after six weeks, fine. And nothing, you know, you're not paying us anything. So we started, there were about 25 people the first Sunday. And by the end of the six weeks, there were about 90, 100 people there. And then in about two months after that, there were lines out the door for about 11 years. Wow. Because we became this band that hairstylists and bartenders and, and servers and hotel workers this was their saturday night yeah we had sundays off right yeah so it kind of became this amazing little secret that everybody had that just exploded and from that we played 200 dates a year wow. from that it was crazy a 10-piece band it was and amazing. those are the ones that you want the hairstylist and the bar sounds so like a perfect sunday fun day to meet it wasn't it wasn't i didn't expect that angle but it, but once it started it was like this was their connection yeah. time it was great mm-hmm. yeah it was great so you you go from your band days and then i mean did you start kind of getting a little... You seem to me like you have to have your hands in like a lot of different things. Like you're very creative. Yeah. I, I like, so. yeah, I like doing... Well, I mean, really everything, everything that I've done has stemmed in, in the Twin Cities has stemmed from the success of that band. You know, I, in the 90s, I created this festival called Heart and Soul, which was at the time there was... During that time, it was, you know, kids were dying of AIDS. Yeah. You know, AIDS was new, it was very, very scary. And there's this camp that um, I found out about because their director of development came to see me at Bunkers one day and one night and told me about it. And, you know, they'd have kids go to camp one year. It's a summer camp for kids with HIV and AIDS. And next year they didn't come back. That's where that's where HIV and AIDS was Mm -hmm. in the 90s at that time. So I created Heart and Soul and we raised funds to send kids to Camp Heartland. But I could have only done that because of the success of of Nick Sterling and the Stud Brothers. It, it's so everything, everything that I've done, all the charity stuff, all anything is because of that. People found out about me because of that band. Yeah. So, so it, it it's for outlet. my brain that was good to do yeah. a lot of creative things. What gave you an inlet into following your passion in other areas, which yeah. it sounds like you really like to help people and you really. Well, I, I do, but I think I'm in a real advantageous spot to do so because sometimes you know sometimes when you introduce a concept you're coming in cold you're coming into a a boardroom or whatever Mm -hmm. and you've never met each other before so it's a very cold entrance but if people see my band 
and then I talk to them. They've it's it's a much warmer they feel presentation like they know you because more. They, they've experienced something really good that they actually came to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of the things that I've been able to introduce are easier in my setting than someone just doing a cold, you know? So I, I recognize that and it, I, you know, I'm in a good position to do that. I like doing it, but I think when people find me, I'm in a better position to do it than maybe some others are. Yeah. But I think it says a lot too of your heart. I know you're kind of going back to the cold and whatnot, but the fact that you guys have been around for how long as a band together just shows how great a people you actually well, are. Well, thank you. Well, you know, we, ju- we just played last Sunday. Um, the band has been since 1988, different members, but yeah. this last core band, you know, since 2000. When you're a band that long, you are part of people's lives. Mm-hmm. You guys met seeing Mick Sterling and the Stud Brothers. You went to bed after the first time we saw, you know, I mean, (laughs) you had babies. I mean, there's like, you know, we are ingrained in their lives when when a band has been around that long. So is Lamont Cranston. So is Daisy Dealman. So any bands that last multiple decades, you're just part of their lives. Absolutely. And I grew up where my parents were both in the service industry and music was because my mother was a bartender. Just, I was, you know, everybody's Britney Spears for Halloween. I was Janis Joplin. (laughs) (laughs) You're so hip. That's right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and and I don't think anybody takes in the band, takes that for granted. Uh, You know, we all do, and that you know, we stopped playing in twenty in two thousand six after seventeen years of doing every Sunday and hundreds of gigs, and then we took about five years off, and we came back, and we did. I, I told everybody, I said, "Well, we should maybe at least try and sound check." We came to bunkers. We should try and we haven't played in five years, you know. So, of course, everybody's late. And there's like, it's like 8.30 and the place is packed because we haven't played in five years. And we, and we do a song and we, the, the song ended and we literally just all looked at each other and went, oh, oh yeah, this is a badass band. You know, like, I mean, like you every, picked up right where you left yeah, off. You know, because we have so much history, but I think, you know, everybody does like a, a lot of great projects machine. and great, but I think all of us at that particular moment, we went... All the stuff that that we needed to stop, all the nonsense, the backbite, whatever it was. Yeah, just the stuff that happens. It's all gone. Only 10 guys can make that sound. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody really, since that day, every time we've played, it's been terrific. Because I think we really are very appreciative of the fact that, one, we're physically able to do those songs the way they should be done. But there's only 10 of us that can make that noise. Mm -hmm. And that's... It's different than any other band that we do. So it's yeah. it's been it's been great to to perform again with that band for sure. Well, it's like a family. You have a lot of it different is. personalities. You have a lot of different opinions. It certainly is. Learning how to do that. And there is something though, as you get old and you start to lose people in your life and you gain people and you go through yep. marriages and you have your kids and you do all that stuff that you realize like, oh, this yeah. is just nice to live and be in my passion with other people who yeah. are in your passion. And it sounds, I mean, it just shows. It yeah, I know. Shows. And, and, and it's very emotional. It's, you know, the last time we played at Crooners, it's very emotional for people. The audience, too. Yeah. Because we have history. 
yes. the band has history, the, the audience memories, has history the with us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. But oh. and, but still, the band sounds insanely good. Yeah, it's just crazy good. Uh, we heard you guys for the first time last year. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So that was the first time here at the Chart House. Yep. I had just started working here. Yep. Kathy recruited me. <laughs> She's like, I need a strong bartender. And I was like, all right. And um, Is it begging or recruiting? Is it one? <laughs> yeah. A little, bit of, a little bit of both. Uh, I'm still waiting on my Maserati from yeah, George. Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. But um, no, it was super. I just, everybody kept talking about it and I was like, okay, cool. You know, it yeah. showed up and I was like, this, this yeah. is cool. Because yeah, I grew it's, it's up. special. All over. I mean, I lived in Tennessee for about a year. My my dad, everybody was blues. And um, I was just, that was the music I grew up with. Yeah. And so to watch you guys up there, I was like, where have these people been oh. my whole life? Like, yeah. it was just so cool. And I didn't even recognize it because I think I met you like... In passing, I didn't know who anybody was, yeah. right? You know, I almost so I'm like broke helping his you. guitar. <laughs> and then my mom's like, that's Mixter. And I was like, oh, of course it was Mixterling well, and I. You know, but see, this is an interesting thing because I, I always feel really uncomfortable. Like, you know, if people know the band or they know me and then they, they go, well, this is Mixterling. And they go, and then they, and they go, you don't know Mixterling? And I'm going, you guys. Do you understand? It's a sliver of percentage of the population that actually see live music. It's completely fine if you don't know who I am. But I have you know? seen you with my parents. Yeah. And it was just more like, oh, in person. Okay, like you're up okay. on the stage. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I had never met you. I mean, I, I go to uh, live music and stuff, but it just yeah. was not one of the ones I've ever gotten to. Yeah, it, it's, and, it's but a it was, um, It was so fun. It yeah. was such a fun event. It was so like um, powerful because you are also the founder yeah. of 30 Day Foundation, yes. which is why you were there having yes. this. And you guys have had that here for 11. I think this is the fourth year we've done it. And for sure, the third. You founded your foundation in 2011? We did. The 30 Days Foundation is started in 2011. 2011. And, um, and it really kind of became, it came from an, a very interesting place because, because I had done Heart and Soul in the past for like seven or eight years. I, in 2010, I produced a concert event called uh, By the Bay Music, uh, By the Bay Music Festival in Excelsior. And it was just a festival I put together, but everybody thought it was a charity event because I had done Heart and Soul. And I go, well, no, it's just a concert event. I just wanted yeah. to put on a concert <laughs> event. So then I started thinking, well, maybe I should try and find a charity, you know? And I'm looking around for a charity and I didn't really, nothing really knocked me out that wasn't already being helped considerably by something else. And then in a, in a span of about two weeks of that time, all of these things started happening to people that I know. My sisters, coworkers, associates, things that were just, un, you know, unexpected things happened to them. Car breakdown, injury, illness. And I thought, well, that's, and then, and, and these people don't ask for help. Yeah. They don't know how to ask for help. They make too much money to ask for help. Yeah. There's no services for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're still in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's an interesting charity idea. What if, what if, what if there could be a charity that could pay that extra energy bill, that could pay that car repair bill, that could pay, um, uh, back rent, one thing. That yeah. would go to the provider, not the person. So that was really the framework of, 
of even before I came up with the name, the 30 Days Foundation. That was the, that was the seed of the idea. So I met these two women at, um, at Redstone who had volunteered for Heart and Soul before in the past. And I told them the idea. And, um, and they each wrote me a check for $300. And they said, start this charity. It's a really good idea. So I, I started the charity and I put it out on MySpace. Yeah. Do you even know what MySpace is? I had a MySpace account, yes. <laughs> so I put it out there and the first day it came out, a woman messaged my MySpace message and asked for all of these things in the $1,500 window that I set as a limit. And I didn't even have $1,500 at that thing at that time. I had like 400 and one of the requests for the MySpace was a $78.94 Sprint phone bill. And so I saw the message. She had the information. I called Sprint. I paid the bill. And then I called her back because this was the first person that requested assistance. Yeah. yeah. And so I called her. And I said, you know, we can't do all this stuff, but we took care of your Sprint phone bill. I hope that helps. And she starts sobbing. Aww. I mean, like heavy sobbing. And after she composed herself, it was, you know, I can't even tell my family. I can't even tell my friends. I'm so embarrassed yeah. that I can't even pay my Sprint phone bill yeah. for that amount of money. So after we got off the phone, I went, well, wow, that's not a lot of money. But at that particular time, anything that passed? was huge yeah. because her phone wasn't going to get turned off now. Which would have caused a ripple effect yeah, of a lot of things. Definitely. So that's when I knew that we had, I had something very interesting with the, with the Thirty Days Foundation idea, and that's and right before that I had come up with the name of the charity. But I knew I had something because, and I, it's so simple, but no one had thought of it. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe no one had thought of it. Right. And but it's just but all it, the it's effective. You can help with yeah. it because it happens. Well. The, when people have need 10 or 20 things in their life to get fixed, it started with the first and second thing. Yep. Everything starts with the first thing. Yeah. You can stop it after one or two or three things. You may not need 20 things later on. That's, that's what's unique about this charity. Yeah, I remember hearing about it, and I think I laughed. I think I called you, and I was like, this is so genius, because I think I, you could just, I mean, everybody that was there supporting you, I think we can all look back to a point where you've been in a situation like that where you're just a few bills. You don't know how you're going to make rent. No. You don't know how you're going to, you know, you're just not eating that week no. or, you know, you got to feed your kids and like everybody's been there. So it's, to me, it was like, wow, talk about supporting just breaking barriers of like, it doesn't matter what things can look like. Sometimes, sometimes life isn't fair still. And no, things and, happen, and, and, and they happen plan. tragically and yeah. overnight. You can and plan, and, but things happen. They do. And that you can't foresee. You can't, yeah. you can't expect it to happen. And you don't have family, and you don't no. have people there to support or to be able to lend you 20 bucks for gas just so you can get to your job. Because if you yeah. don't get to your job, then you're not going to pay that bill. Well, that's, that's one know? of the, the catchphrases of the 30 Days Foundation, because we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. Right. Yeah. You know, I tell the story, I can't even look at budded turkey or tombstone pizzas anymore <laughs> yeah. because that's when I was like broke and that's all yeah. I ate. I can't, I like I gag when I yeah. see it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an interesting, fun story now, but at the time, 
it sucked. Yeah, yeah. ramen you noodles. Know? I can feel yeah, you ramen that. noodles. Exactly. Yeah, ramen yes. noodles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we've all. So been you know, at Thirty Days Foundation has been around. We're in our eleventh year now. We've we're getting close to one hundred and ten thousand grants that we've wow. uh, put out across the state of Minnesota, and it's just going to get bigger. Yeah, and and because of Relief Fest, what we did done at Chardos, we just had our biggest fundraising year this year. That we raised so over one hundred and fifty thousand cool. dollars that night. It was amazing. It was so cool to witness. It Great. was. Yep. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you that I have the biggest we have the biggest girl crush on your wife. We do. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I, know. I go. Who is she? I, I want to be her Kate when I grow badass. up. Yes. Oh, I can't. And then Allie's like, I ran into her in the bathroom. I'm like, what is with you? And like injuring our guests. Ran into her. And yes, yes. like, she, I can't. She is an amazing, she amazing singer. Her voice, her oh, just yep. all of her. I could not get yeah. enough. Yeah. I was like, forget bartending. Like I'm. Let me be. I'm watching my girl crush yeah. over here. Uh, I was like, and then I found out it was your wife. I'm like, oh, of course, of course, <laughs> of course. I was like, I want to marry her too. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, but no, she. You guys just are. You, you guys just uh, beam like energy and light and oh, just so you. much love. And I think that says thank a lot you. about you guys and even just your fundraising this year of like people want to help because they see. Not everybody has the ability to go out and be a forefront and be like a spokesperson and to stand yeah. up in front of people and have that ability to talk to people and care and share. But people want to help. They just don't know how to in their way. I've, I found doing charity work for the last, you know, since really since the mid-90s, people, people are drawn to things that are positive. Most people want to be around a positive yeah. force. They don't have the... You know, they don't really know how to do it sometimes, but if somebody is doing it, they will merge into that area. I think that, and that's what I think you saw at Relief Fest. I mean, yeah. people, once you tell the story, I mean, when, the, you know, the gentleman from um, Act Two Recovery, yeah. when he spoke, I mean, yes. that's real stuff. Impactful. Mm-hmm. Impactful. And, and it all started because 30 days, you know, we paid $125 to get him into a sober house. That's not a lot of money. Right. But how impactful was that donation? He started eight houses because of that. I was crying during that, but just because it hit so close to home. And I just shared in my story that when my partner had relapsed and we were looking for sober home, like we were looking for treatment. We couldn't, we were both business owners. We couldn't afford anything. Um, Everybody that we called, they were booked. We could, so it was here with somebody who so badly needed help and wanted help. But we could not afford it. We could not find anything. We were going through the county. We were calling our friends and family. We sat for three days straight trying to get him into mm. somewhere because it was kind of a do or die. And he, yeah. as an addict, you know, and then as you're starting to find that, your body's looking to fill that also. So yep. it was just, it was kind of a catch. But I, I mean, from being people who have been there, listening to his story and getting to hear a success story and that there are opportunities and places where people can have some help. I mean, that was huge because we, we had nothing available at that yeah. time and we were in a very similar place. Um, mm. We, you know, we were behind on our bills. We were just trying to make it through and as the stress builds, but I loved, I love hearing the success stories. Now. Yeah. And, that, and that I was love a very... that people are taking and saying, let's change this. Like, I think, you know, people want, the people at that event, you have to offer things. Everybody gets hit a lot with, help me with this, help me with this, help me with this. 
it, it, I think the 30 Days Foundation has a great story that really connects with people because I think they go, I get that. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. That seems like that can work. It's not something that's like a Band-Aid. Like, this can actually work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the strength of the 30 Days Foundation. And it's a local, it's local. It's helping people all around us. Mm-hmm. And that is huge, too, because sometimes things feel so out of reach. Like, well, there's so many other people who are struggling worse than yeah. I am. And that doesn't make your emotions and what you're going through invalid. And there's no. still a place for you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very proud of it. So how does somebody donate? Can you tell us where to well, go? Well, they can donate very, you know, they can go on, on the website, the 30-daysfoundation.org, and they can donate right on there. They can do a monthly recurring donation if they okay. want to do that. Um, or they can just do a one-time donation. One of the things we talked about at the um, at the event is this thing that's going to happen on Give to the Max Day on November 17th. And we, I've created this program called The First 30. And we're encouraging hopefully hundreds to thousands of people to match the first $30 that we raise on Give to the Max Day. It's not a lot of money, but if you have hundreds and thousands of people donating $30, mathematically that could be the largest fundraiser of the 30 Days Foundation ever. It's a compound Um, effect. Yeah, so on November 17th on Give to the Max Day, and hopefully we'll be sending out thousands of emails to people saying, do it now. Yeah, give just, somebody just a deadline. Just send thirty dollars. No. We're not asking three hundred thousand or thirty or three hundred. You know, thirty bucks on that day. But mathematically, it could be huge for us. So it's like a gallon of gas these days. That's, so. Well, it's not even that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, we we need. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot of tremendous charities out there. And thirty days from my role as founder and creator of this thing is that I have to find things that that will attract people's attention yeah and and to make it and to make but to make it fun and to make it workable within your financial means that's why i like this the first 30 thing so much that's when we're doing bingo beanbags and burgers here in september at at chart house just a nice free fun event and once people find out who we are they'll donate we don't need to charge a ticket for that i trust that they'll go i like that Mm -hmm. they'll do it yeah yeah which kind of leads us into doing the Mick Sterling Presents Chart House Live. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, we've done, you know, 30 days events here uh, when it was just before the, the remodeling. And they've been great. And But when I saw the remodeled uh, Brianna's Chart House, I thought, well, this could easily be a Dakota or Chanhassen or yeah. Crooner's version south metro version of these rooms there's no room like that in in the south metro none the 750,000 people that live in the south metro that want to have a nice dinner they want to have an early evening they want to see great bands Mm -hmm. the bands that play at those places so i i pitched the idea to george and kathy and they were very receptive and so we came up with chart house live and it's going to be a music series that's every Sunday and Thursday, starting uh, September 15th. So I have a lot of my bands, my Springsteen show, Van Morrison, Dylan, Huey Lewis, all kinds of great stuff. Kate's going to have her Amy Winehouse show and her Heart show, Bobby Vandell, Michael Monroe, Joanne Parker. The lineup is astounding for the first four months. Um, 
I think people are going to love the show. There's only 225 seats you can sit in here. So it's a very intimate um, music setting. We're calling it a respect room because we want people to really focus on the bands. And we're not showing rugby on the television <laughs> when the bands are playing. You know, this is it's about the music and the dining experience. So. Okay. Yeah, I, it is going to be a great event, and it's really cool to see um, how you guys are even setting it up. It's going to be Thursdays and Sundays, mm -hmm. and all these different performances. So it's really a lot of like I, uh, I would say um, you get a lot of bang for your buck. Well, I think so. I mean, the ticket is you know the tickets are between twenty five and thirty five dollars. Um, George and Kathy have allowed if you buy tickets two weeks up to two weeks before any show. You'll get a, a ten dollar chart house voucher for the next visit, which I thought was a very nice, yeah. a very nice thing for people to kind of encourage them to get their tickets early. Um, we also have this thing uh, for one hundred people. It's called the one hundred club membership card. It's two hundred and fifty dollars, and that provides you, the purchaser and a guest, to see any show uh, within the four month run, the initial four month run, uh, for two hundred fifty dollars. So it's you know a great thing for business purchase for your clients or whatever. Um, you know, the lineup is terrific. The bands are fantastic. Um, it's an early time frame, so that's nice. Mm -hmm. um, I have um, John and Michelle Scott are going to be the hosts for all the all the shows. So when people come up, you, you start this relationship with the host of the restaurant. You really want that personal thing. And that's, that's what Dakota does really well. That's what Crooners does really well. And I think we can do that in this room too it's it's a good model to go off of i love it it's a yeah. great idea yeah so how did you pick like what artists you wanted to come play here well it was easy with my bands i just <laughs> i know a lot of them but you know these are people that you know we all perform in these rooms dakota chan hassan crooners i know how good they are yeah um and i know that this demographic that will come to the show they'll appreciate you know they're, they're we do a show of you know, Michael Monroe does Cat Stevens and James Taylor. Kate does Amy Winehouse and and Hearts. You know, I do Huey Lewis and Van Morrison and Springsteen. These are all artists that people are, they're in their lives. Like we were talking about the Stud Brothers. These right. artists are in their lives too. Um, but none of the bands, these guys do these songs the best. They're not doing, they're not imitating Cat Stevens. or It's not that type yeah. of thing. It's not a Branson kind right. of a thing. We're just honoring these artists that have influenced them and influenced me as well. With your own special twist. Yeah. And the bands are spectacular. I mean, my bands, you know, some of them are 14 pieces. Yeah. These are, this isn't just a little trio. You know, a couple of them are trios, but they lend themselves to that. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are at least six to eight piece bands. And, you know, because I'm a freak, I like really large bands. So, <laughs> you know, it makes no financial sense whatsoever. <laughs> but but it sounds great. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it's your own little special stamp, you know, that's yeah. why everybody can do, you know, everybody can make a band, but what makes a band special is what you have to offer and yeah. bring in your brand and your stamp that you put on it. And it sounds like you're just a marketing genius I from agree. two people who do like, uh, you know, we dabble in that, like you got a mind for it. It's really cool to well, hear just like your ideas and how you process it and how um, it's super simple. But well, I, it's I also to like it to the point, you yeah. know, it's good. I, I told all my bands, you know, I mean, cause uh, you know, when I, when I pitch ideas for shows, like we do a, um, a Bee Gees show, which is, it's called that. from Barry, the perfect pop songs of Barry Gibb and the Bee Gees. And 
It's a 16 piece band. Yeah. But it was, that was the hardest band for me to commit people to convince people to do because everybody has a stereotypical, typical thing of what they think the Bee Gees are. And, and so I, I sent the list to everybody. I go, listen to these songs and tell me these songs aren't perfect. They're perfect. So when people see the band, they're expecting a little kind of kitschy disco right. thing. And then they see a 16-piece band that's doing, you know, I got to get a message to you. Uh. I started a joke. But that's what the, you know, when the Bee Gees tour, they had a 16-piece band. Oh, because, they did? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they had a huge band. Or Springsteen or yeah. Van Morrison. So... I always, my shows always try and go, if I'm a fan of Van Morrison, what band, what do I want to see? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I base my shows off of. Yeah. And yeah. songs that are known, but not overdone but not, either. But not overdone. No. And you do some deeper tracks. Yeah. Because if you're a Van Morrison fan, you're I want to hear something that maybe wasn't a hit. Yeah. But yeah. it's, it's, it meant something to me. Right. So that's good. Yeah, you can always hear the love in people's voices mm -hmm. when they sing from that place. Yep. So I'm going to ask you personally, I mean, like you're performing and you're doing all of um, this for other people. What do you do to like rebuild yourself and to take personal time and how do you recharge? Well, or do you require that? I guess that? I, I mean, <laughs> I, I like what I do. So I'm I, I myself, I feel like I'm recharging every day. I'm, I'm fortunate that I can do that I've created things that 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 I like to do. Yeah, yeah. You, know, I, you don't I, feel burnout from it. No, no. I like you know. I'm my mother's son. I like to be busy. <laughs> my mom is you know is like that. Was like that when she was raising us. It's like boom, boom, boom. You know, you know, <laughs> I can a lot relate. of stuff. And I like that. I like being <laughs> yeah. busy. You know, and and I I I understand that I'm I'm in a fortunate position. You know. To, did, to do these things. How did you come up with the idea to start like kind of, I know you talked about the foundations and all that, but just, it takes a like real actual businessman to, too. like you have the creative side and the business mm -hmm. side, which kind of come together and now you're kind of managing all these. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I just, I mean, I think everybody has a specific talent that they do. I mean, we talked about this before we went, you know, on the podcast, but you know, I look at a car engine and I have no idea what is this? Yeah. And I have no interest in it whatsoever. So I really admire people that can, that are mechanical yeah. like that. Like I haven't, I don't think like that. Like that, that would scare the hell out of me. And, and I would get so frustrated and that I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get you engine, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but I get this. Yeah. This makes complete sense to me. So yeah. everybody just has a specific thing that they, that is easy to them. This seems to be easy to me for some reason and i like doing it so are you fun. still writing music i'm writing books books i'm writing books yeah i haven't written uh, uh, an original song for quite a while um i may and you're going to be releasing your third book i heard here in like early 2023 which is yeah. still kind of yeah. well it's done i just I, I have to decide whether i'm going to actually publish it as a book or put it out as an app Mickey which i'm kind of liking Right, Mickisms. It's called Mickisms, a collection of conversation enders, and uh, it's they're just little thoughts of mine that I think are funny, and <laughs> and I po I post you know a lot of them I post on Facebook because I think Facebook it just takes itself way too seriously, <laughs> yes, and it can get very it, it can get very ugly, so I I try and post things that are just kind of catch people off guard, 
like one of the mechanisms isms is uh I'm sorry I missed your call. I was watching the Three's Company episode where there was a misunderstanding. You know, <laughs> you know, just things like that. You know, you I know, like just that. just little things that are just kind of fun. That's why I may want to put it out as an app, as like like a daily reminder kind yeah. of an idea. I, love I think it. people will enjoy it and yeah, it'll be kind of fun. So we'll see. But I'm I'm proud of it. My book before is called Andel's A Version of Life According to Mick Sterling, which is a bunch of short essays that um that I wrote that are kind of, they're all over the map. Some are very, very funny and serious and, you know, funny and serious. And some are very thought provoking and really, really sad. It's just like life. Almost like a personal be. journal in a yeah. way of like when yeah. you have. Yeah. 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 So I, I touch on a lot of different topics in that book and, um, yeah. and yeah, so it, I'm very proud of all the stuff that I've written. That's very cool. Yeah. People often will ask, they'll be like, what's your podcast about? And I'm like, everything. Yeah, everything. I go, whatever we feel like that day. I go, yeah. it could be something very serious and it could be something well, that's like kind of the beauty of super podcast. fun. Right. And we're just like, you know, my daughter peed in a Cheetos bag today. Like, you know, like it's just, you never know. Like it could be anything. I've, I've actually never heard that sentence I know. Before. Trust me. That was that. <laughs> and that's a real life sentence. That is a Sterling. real life story. That's right a there. real life story right there. That's a fun, exciting life. Yeah. <laughs> the fun of children. I how that all develops. Trust right. me, I have where, questions where, too. Yeah. <laughs> when she was, you know, when you're talking where to a three-year-old. Where did she get the Cheetos bag? And, and I just, and she's potty training. I was like, how did you even get it? I'm just impressed. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. That's like that scene but, from Anchorman when, when the dog eats the cheese. Like, I'm not even mad. I'm just bastard. impressed. You ate the whole wheel of cheese? <laughs> not even mad. I'm not even mad. I don't know how you did it. I'm actually impressed. I know. Legit. <laughs> Toddler and a teenager I have over here. And it's every day I'm going, huh. I don't even know how that happened, but I... Yeah. Keeps I life interesting. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> Never um, a dull moment. <laughs> exactly. How long have you and your wife been married for? Not long. We got married last June 6th. Just Yeah, day. yeah. So it's, it's very new. And you guys new. met in the music industry? We met about 15 years ago. Um, is it 15? 15 or 16 years ago. Uh, I was playing at this place called The Narrows. And um, in, in uh, what was it? In Orono. Yeah, Orno. And I was playing with Kevin Bow in this band, and it was a great band. And, and she had never performed at all in, in a club. And, and the, the band was spectacular. And she asked, she goes, I need, you know, you need a, a background singer. And I'd like to be the background singer. <laughs> I said, well, I'm playing next week. Here's, here's a cassette of some stuff. It was a cassette, I think. And, um, and we played this gig the next week, and she sat in for like three songs. And Kate was pretty nervous because she was playing with some heavy duty people, okay. you know, but you could clearly tell that, you know, she could sing. She yeah. had confidence. She could sing. And so a, a couple of years later, we were in a band called The Irresistibles with Shayla Lee and then eventually Katie Garrity, which was a uh, really great soul band, soul and R&B band. We played about seven or eight years. Um, and so, you know, we were just friends for a very long time and bandmates and, and we fell in love. You know, and uh, and then we got married last uh, last June. Oh, I yeah, love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> it's a, a good, good story. <laughs> and you know she's listening, so hopefully yeah. you got all your facts right. No, Just it's a kidding. good story. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is it was so funny. You know, we'd be on stage, you know, and there's Shalo in the, you know, in the middle also on stage or Katie. Both beautiful women. Yes. And almost every gig, people would go, would think Kate and I were a couple. We weren't even looking at each other. 
you know, I, I just think people saw something. Yeah. You know, it was very obvious that we were connected in some form, mm-hmm. you know, even to people that had no idea about us. We, we were just go, where are you getting this from? <laughs> you know, but, but they knew. Well, I watched you two perform on YouTube, I think it was, and you guys did the movie, gosh, now I'm drawing a blank on it, with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Oh, The Shallow, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a good video. That was moving of you two. You could just see. That's a good, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Kate does this show called Three Stars Born, and she does, she is crazy. No one would take this on, but, (laughs) but she's so talented. She sings... Lady Gaga, Streisand, and Judy Garland in wow. one show. Wow. No singer would take that on. And she debuted it at the Chanhassen. She's dancing. She's playing piano. She doesn't even play piano. <laughs> I mean, she play, She sang and played piano for the first time in her life on the main stage at Chanhassen doing that show. Wow. And we just went, who are you? Who are you? How do you do this? <laughs> You know, oh, I love it. but that shallow video, yeah, that that song, it, that's a, that's a really interesting song because I don't necessarily think that song is really that great. It's okay, mm-hmm. but those two together yes. doing that song, it's crazy good with with those two together doing it. The so it, we we, it, we we can do that song pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yes. You guys have chemistry. Yeah, mm-hmm. it shows. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's been so fun having you on and getting to learn well, so much about much you. And I it. I'm excited for this uh, next little series you have yeah. coming up. I really encourage people to go. I, w- I want this to work. There's no, you know, I, I was telling George and Kathy that every reason this should work. Yeah. This place should be packed Please. every Sunday and Thursday because oh. it, the opportunity is right here and there's right. nothing like it in this Everything. area. So we and really it's a whole package. hope people buy tickets. You have a beautiful venue, mm-hmm. great food, fantastic yep. drinks. The service is amazing. Yep. You have this beautiful, um, I mean, like a great collection of music. Yes. And it's, it's there's seriously something for everybody. There really is. And I think that's <clears> what's super cool too is because sometimes it's like, oh, well, you can't take the kids or maybe it might be too loud for your mom or dad. Or, right. And this has really something for everybody. I think it does too. it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it does too. I, I, I you know, we, we booked it for four months, but it should last for years. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I think it's important that we... We really try and get a great start on this thing because what's going to make this series work is word of mouth. Yeah. So if people, you know, the first three or four shows, if if we're drawing big crowds, that's just going to get out there, and people it are going is. to want to be a part of this thing. They're going to want to get the membership card, or they're going to they're going to buy tickets. So we're we're really hopeful that this will take off. I think it will. Yeah. And then next year, it's going to be really hard to get in. So exactly. you better get your foot in the door get now. Exactly. Grandfathered right. in. <laughs> Grandfathered in. Yeah. <laughs> One more question I yes. have for all the Minnesotans out there. Did I hear you've played with Prince? Well, that story is quite amazing. <laughs> it is, it is quite amazing. Buckle up, I'm ready. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so in, in a very odd way. So about... Prince passed away six years ago. Is it six I years think ago? So, so <clears throat> I was doing my Ray Charles show, debuting my Ray Charles show at the Chanhassen. And we're rehearsing, you know, a couple hours before we start. And the show was not, it was not ready. We weren't ready. And I'm going, well, this should be a very interesting <laughs> night. 
And so I get done and the staff, a couple of members of the staff say, Prince wants to see the show. And I, and he's one, you know, I've heard people that Prince wanted to see the Stud Brothers for years at Bunkers and he never showed up or whatever. Right. Okay. I've heard that story before. Yes. So I kind of forgot about it. I just told one person in the band that Prince might show up because I didn't want people to think about that. We had enough to worry about. The right. show wasn't ready. Um, and we started doing the show and it, it, of course it kicked in and it was fine. Well, we're doing a song called Let the Good Times Roll and Scotty Miller who's on piano was doing this great piano solo and, I'm, and I have sunglasses on. I'm looking down and, and I go, do it again. That's great. And all of a sudden, I hear a guitar player, and but it sounds like my guitar player. And from my left ear, I hear this, everybody <laughs> just this rumble, this beginning of a roar. <laughs> and I look up, and Scott looks up, and we both went, <laughs> and there's Prince, and he is playing the guitar solo that my guitarist Stevie Morgan is supposed to oh. be playing. And he plays for about a minute and a half and I'm watching him like, cause I want to, when he's done, I want to come back in and sing, yeah. but I don't want to do it too soon and interrupt his yeah. solo either. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, and he played the minute and a half or so cue. I saw the cue. I started singing. He took the guitar off and left and that was it. I, di I didn't even meet him. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but he, I guess he watched the rest of the show and um, it, you know, like, is it, this was, real life? it was a this huge actually experience for people. It was <laughs> you crazy, you know? Yourself? <laughs> well, I mean, unfortunately and sadly, that wound up being the last band performance Prince ever did was with my band. Oh, wow. Wow. Which was crazy to think that, which is an interesting bookend. So there's the back book bookend, but the front of that is my first recording experience in the Twin Cities was at a place called Moon Sound Studio in Uptown. This was 1981, 82. And we came in to do a, a couple of songs and the, and the engineer, the owner of the studio, Chris Moon, said, you should have been here a couple of days ago. This kid just recorded an entire album by himself. He played every instrument. His name is Prince. So I, I was the, I was the first act at Moonsound after Prince, from Prince's first record, and then I'm the last band, public wow, band to play with Prince. Well, and we never met, but like it is an interesting book. Like a weird yeah. full circle. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wow. interesting. But that that was an that was an amazing experience it really was and 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 i really took i took it as a compliment that prince felt like my band was good enough for him to perform with right. and he knew some of the guys in the band too it was a, i always said it, it was a very minneapolis music moment mm -hmm. it was very organic it all just happened and you know i'll never forget it it was no. amazing yeah and no one else will either i mean there were only 236 people in that entire place it was crazy so cool. I'll just never forget that roar. <laughs> There's a different kind of, you know, because one time at Bunkers, Guns N' Roses came to, they were in the bar and they, and, and they wanted to perform with us. And it wasn't, it wasn't Slash or Axel, but it was, you know, the drummer and a bunch of them. 
And I'll never forget that roar from an audience when, a, when a, like an international band is there. Mm-hmm. They sucked. <laughs> I was going to say, how was that? It was that? awful. Yeah. They sucked playing with us. They, they're, they're Guns N' Roses. They're great playing Guns N' Roses. Right. But they sucked playing with a soul and R&B band. That's just not their thing. <laughs> their Didn't niche. matter. It didn't, didn't matter. matter. Those mm-hmm. people were like, that's Guns N' Roses. I'm going to lose my freaking mind right now. <laughs> it was a really, but it was pretty funny. Like, well, I always remember we, we knew they were there and, and the band was in the back. And, and, and one of my trumpet players goes, let's do this Duke Ellington song. I said, these guys don't want to hear Guns N' Roses do Duke Ellington. Yeah. You know, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> How about something else? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, it was fun. But yeah, the Prince thing was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's a beautiful welcome. story. You're welcome. You can see like your face light up too. Like, it just well, you know, like it I mean, you know, a memory. He's, you know, he's, he's the Mozart of our time. Yeah. I mean, that's, and to get the chance to do something like that in such a unrehearsed and organic way. It was yeah. Great. It's beautiful. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, awesome. Is there a mechanism, a mechanism, a mechanism you would a like to leave one? our uh, listeners with uh, today at all? Well, yes, I'll, I'll say one that uh, I've never met an apathetic cello. <laughs> there you go. That's one of them. So there's many more, but that's one of them. Why so. do I, I want the app. Yeah. That's it. You better tell me when this app comes it's out. It's coming out. Yeah. It's going to come I out soon. I need to start my day or probably end my day with one of these, like a little giggle fun. before you They're like lay, lay down yeah. a night for bed. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I have one that gives me like daily affirmations and I was like, this is... Yeah, there's nothing know. spiritual about no. the affirmations. They're just mechanisms. <laughs> somebody, one of my friends was like, you have to do this. It's great. And I was like, okay, I have to pay like 30 bucks. Like, no, okay. this will be free. But I the whole thing's going to be free. You know what, though? It, 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 I actually really have learned to enjoy it like throughout the day because it makes you stop and pause and just like think about, just be in the moment and think yeah. about it. And I say it out loud. And I love, so I love the app idea. I think that's fantastic because it just, you just take a second out of your day and like whether you giggle or you share it with a friend or whatever, it's just those things that makes you stop and just yeah, yeah. stop I, for I a second. I think so too. I mean, I, there's going to be, there's a mixed Sterling Presents app that's brand new that just came out okay. last week that'll have like the, uh, the full audio version of And Else that you can listen to. There's also an app, uh, a part of that app as well. It's called Body of Work. And it's all of my original songs, seven hours of wow, songs cool. that you can access from this app. My schedule's on there, all kinds of stuff. So that the Mixterly Presents app will be one app, but then the Mickisms will be a separate app. Okay, very so. cool. And so Mixterling Presents app, when is that out, you said? It's out now. It's out now. So yeah, okay. so, okay, so if so you're on your phone, it. if you're on, it has to be on an iPhone. You just go to mixterlingpresents.com and follow the prompts and then it'll it'll be on your Phone. Perfect. And we'll it's, link all of this into everybody. Oh, so, thank you. yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. It's been a pleasure getting Thanks, to ladies. know you. And I know we really haven't gotten to sit down and talk to you like this, but yeah. I really enjoyed getting to know you and thank understand you. everything better. And you kind of gave me like a little light under my butt of like, just to keep going with like your passion and yeah. um, just following your purpose. You love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's, it's good. That's good. All right. Well, this is the Twisted Sisters podcast, Samantha and Allie, and our special host today, or guest, not host, uh, Mick Sterling, signing off. We appreciate you guys listening. And it's 
Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted.